everybody, and welcome to another edition of Hang Out in the Holy Land, the flagship podcast here at Land Grand Holy Land. I am your host, Gene Ross, and as always, I am joined by my co-host, Josh Dooley. Josh, how are we doing today? I'm doing good, Gene. Coming off a great sports weekend, a lot of good golf, a lot of good playoff basketball, um, and obviously Ohio State stuff that we'll get into, so uh, good weekend, ready to roll. Absolutely. Yeah, there's been a bunch that's gone on this past weekend on the entire sports world. We talked about, you know, there's the, the U.S. Open that just went on. There's been baseball. There's been NBA playoffs. It's all been a lot of fun. But, of course, the thing on everybody else's mind in these parts is Ohio State and everything going on with them. So before we get into some of the more Ohio State-specific stuff, we got kind of a, a mishmash of topics to cover for you today, kind of just a little whip around of Ohio State and uh, other news to go along with Ohio State that's related. So we'll start with one of the bigger stories that actually just dropped today when we were kind of compiling the stuff we are going to talk about on our podcast. Podcast today is that this this ruling from the Supreme Court that just came down nine uh, nothing ruling from the Supreme Court so you can see you know it, against the NCA it's probably the only bipartisan issue we have left in America these days. And basically, they, they ruled that the NCA uh, was violating antitrust laws by placing limits on education-related benefits that schools can provide to athletes. So the, basically, the ruling said that they can't. The NCA is not allowed to limit uh, education-related. Uh, benefits to their students anymore. It's a violation of antitrust. And while that's a good ruling, and obviously you want athletes to be able to make the most as possible out of their education and their time on campus, uh, the, the bigger part of this ruling was not the actual ruling itself, but what was said by some of the justices in wake of the decision, specifically, specifically Kavanaugh. Uh, he had a quote in here that said, the NCAA couches its arguments for not paying student athletes in innocuous labels, but the labels cannot disguise the reality. The NCAA's business model would be flatly illegal in almost any other industry in America. And so this kind of, people have realized this for a long time now, that the NCAA kind of makes its own rules and, and nobody's really challenged it up until these last couple of years. And so it's really a big blow, Josh, into kind of their idea of amateurism and what it means to be an amateur athlete and like the kind of, the things that they've used as their excuses for not paying their athletes all these times is kind of starting to crumble right before our eyes. Yeah, you kind of hit on it. The ruling, the actual ruling today was more of a pushback on education-related benefits like you hit on. And I think what they they more or less said is the NCAA and their schools should have autonomy and creativity to sort of define what an education-related benefit is, whether that's like internships, study abroad, um, academic incentives for like all Big Ten or something like that. But you hit on it. There were a number of people who kind of pointed out that, look, this is just the tipping point. If you guys do not get your act together and come up with a fair system, this is just the first of many court rulings that we're going to hand down in the future in regards to those antitrust laws. They essentially kind of said, hey, the NCAA is this large commercial enterprise and they're essentially participating in wage fixing or price fixing in the way that they limit uh, the cap on what their bene- their student athletes can receive. So, you know, I think this will probably be the first of many. And I, I don't think it's coincidental. I don't know if you saw this over the weekend and, and late last week that Mark Emmert has now started to push for the, the NIL legislation as well. So everyone sort of knows what's coming down the pipeline this is the first kind of big ruling in that series of events that's going to come our way. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think that is 
the Mark Emmert thing is definitely related to this kind of stuff. I, you know, for as bad of a commissioner of the sport as he is, I don't think he's dumb. And so he sees that, you know, this, this kind of thing is coming. The NCAA's rules that they've lived by for all this time is not going to last for much longer. And so by pushing forward some of this NIL stuff, he's kind of giving, giving the people the crumbs they want in terms of athlete compensation. But I think there's a lot more coming down the pipe, like you said. I don't know if it's going to be full-on paying players, but we're definitely moving more towards an environment where people see that it's not fair how you know this billion-dollar industry is, is benefiting off of these athletes for pretty much no monetary gain. And I don't think there's any other like system in the in the United States where you know somebody there's this much money being made at the expense of workers who are literally not getting paid a single like dollar on actual U.S. currency. So it is a pretty nuts thing that they've been able to go by this whole time. And like they said in the in the ruling today, you know, it's just you know this business model shouldn't fly in 2021. It's not something that's sustainable, and it does it does set up the the idea of more potential lawsuits going forward. And I just think it's nuts that you know in a time where nobody could pretty much agree on anything that you get a ruling that's nine nothing in the Supreme Court. That just shows you know how how bad the NCA business model is that you could get a nine nothing ruling in the Supreme Court when you know there isn't a single there's no bipartisan issues left in the country. So that the fact that everyone's against the NCA just is, just shows how bad they've been with this whole thing. Yeah, it sort of comes down to common sense. You know, uh, people at every level of government and really in business they push for free marketplace, and that's what people are pushing for in college sports is free marketplace. People of all ages deserve to be compensated for the value that they provide, whether it's to a business, an organization, or what have you. And so there's just more and more momentum coming. And you said it, Mark Emmert is no dummy. He is not elevated to the level he's at um, by not being an intelligent individual. He has protected the interests of the NCAA to the best of his ability for a number of years now. And I feel like he and the NCAA are finally being pushed into a corner by the masses to where they're going to have to find a way to be flexible and find the right way to provide incentives to these student athletes who have been, um, you know, they've been on the short end of the stick for as long as the NCAA has existed. And now, again, like I said, they're pushed back into that corner by so many people that they've got nowhere else to go. Yeah, and we'll see how you know this directly affects Ohio State. You know, as one of the bigger bigger programs in the country, they have a lot to gain by some of this NIL stuff and being able to sell themselves as marketability to athletes. So, we're excited for all that coming. You know, hopefully these guys get what they deserve coming forward, and they're able to make some extra money on the side, be it whether you know through NIL or other instances of these kind of lawsuits coming up in the future. So, you know, the the college football landscape is changing, and there's a lot to look forward to, and a lot of positive changes I think coming forward. And you know, talking about positive changes in college football. Ohio State's roster will be positively changing here shortly with the addition of some new commitments and some new potential upcoming commitments coming forward. So look, we'll touch a little bit now on Ohio State recruiting. Um, if you haven't checked out, I would highly recommend uh, at Land Grant Holy Land. We dropped the podcast this week uh, with Matt's dotted line, his new recruiting podcast. He sat down with Shane Bailey, who is the, if you follow Ohio State recruiting on Twitter, he runs the at Buckeyes Cruton Twitter account, which is he's very good at what he does. If you don't follow him, I'd go give him a follow. He's pretty good at getting all the latest up-to-date news in Ohio State recruiting. And so they talked a little bit about all the stuff that went on this past weekend in detail. So I would check that out. But we also want to touch on some of the bigger stories from this recruiting weekend. Obviously, June has been huge for Ohio State recruiting, and perhaps none none bigger than this last weekend with the visit, finally, of JT Tuimalau, the long-awaited visit of the last remaining target on Ohio State's 2021 board, the five-star defensive end. Uh, there were some positives. There was some weirdness. Josh, you want to you wanna touch on some of the things just before we start going into JTT himself about some of the weirdness of this uh, this past weekend? 
Yeah, you know, Gene, I appreciate you letting me play some ISO ball here. I think that the beginning of JTT's visit was just so surreal. You know, that this kid who was an amateur athlete, but not under the Olympic model, has media members. And I'm not going to get into specifics and like throw people under the bus. Um, Organizations and media outlets alike, they have a job to do. They want to create content, put content out to their followers. But for media members to be camped out at the airport waiting for this kid's arrival Like I said, it was just surreal to me. I think it was odd by any standards. I don't have any sort of issue with what the coaches did. You know, they're greeting a guy at the airport. They're wearing their cool shirts and everything. And and like an homage to um, JTT's kind of culture and background. But the media piece of it, it, it just, it really threw me for a loop. It is the natural, I guess, evolution of what recruiting has become. It's this huge spectacle now. And I I don't know about you, but that whole thing was just, it was surreal to me, like I keep saying. And I I don't know if it puts extra pressure on JTT. I don't know if he's somebody who enjoys it or dislikes it. But, you know, where are you at on this? Just the beginning of his visit. We'll get into what we're hearing about it. But where are you at on the beginning of his visit and kind of the events that took place? Yeah, it was definitely odd. I don't think I've ever seen anything like this in recruiting before where, you know, you have it's almost like, you know, when a team comes home from a championship and you have all the media and the fans like greeting them at the airport. It kind of had that kind of feel for it, except this is a kid who's in high school still and he's just a, a college recruit. And while he is, you know, one of the top recruits in the country in that class, it was a bit weird to me to have people like that camped out at the airport. I actually thought, you know, what the coaches did was fun. You know, JTT kind of it yeah. seemed to like that the, the coaches showed up to the airport to greet him. He said, you know, they had woken up, you know, back home at 4 a.m. They got on this early flight and then you know getting to the airport and seeing the entire coaching staff basically there to greet him and really excited about him you know it made him really happy his family really enjoyed it so I think the coaches being there was totally fine they obviously know what they're doing they're they're trying to sell this kid the most they can on coming to Columbus so I have no problem with that but yeah like you said the media presence and like video him getting off the plane as if he's some like you know NBA superstar coming back from a a national championship it, it was a little bit weird but yeah, I mean, uh, from what we've heard, otherwise, you know, the trip seemed to go really well. Um, he got he was hosted by Haskell Garrett, which I think is a, a very good ambassador for Ohio State and a guy that you know similar background, a West Coast native, uh, and and a good guy to hang out. It seemed Haskell Garrett's always seemed like a really fun guy, so I'm sure he gave him a lot of good things to say about Ohio State. He also talked to G Scott, who is someone that's also from that area. Um, he said he, he chopped it up with Kyle McCord, Zach Harrison, Jack Sawyer. So you know, a bunch of bunch of young guys, some other guys at his position to kind of let him know what's good. And he also met for the first time in person, both Larry Johnson and Ryan Day. And he had nothing but good things to say about them as well. He also talked about, you know, Kerry Coombs and his ability, just his his energy and that kind of switch flip he has where he could, you know, just be your everyday dude. But then when he's on the field, he's just a walking can of Red Bull. And he said he's kind of he's kind of the same way when he's on the field. So he, he really enjoyed that. And from what we've heard, you know, the visit went really, really well. Yeah, you know, after the whole paparazzi-esque series of events that happened in the beginning – it was almost like out of a movie where they're throwing a parade for him and stuff like that. Everything else seemed to go really well. Although at this point, you know, what has to happen for a visit to go poorly? You know, somebody from his area of the country, you know, maybe he goes to North Dakota and it's colder than he thought. And he's like, hey, this sucks. I want no part of this. But it, it would be even more odd or more strange to hear that a visit didn't go well at this point, especially at a big school like Ohio State, they're used to rolling out the red carpet and, being, and bringing in these big names. 
to to kind of show him everything that Columbus and Ohio State is. But you know, he talks to Brandon Huffman. Huffman said that he liked the visit, had nothing but good things to say. So I think we're we're trending in a good direction. Although I don't think anybody really knows where his head and his heart are at until he probably makes the announcement. But um, I, I also saw like right before we jumped on this, somebody put into our Slack that Jack Sawyer is changing his number from 33 to 40 and 33 is JTT's high school number. So maybe you can read into some tea leaves there and that's kind of a, uh, a sign of good things to come if we're lucky. Yeah, that would be a fun little precursor of things to come if that were the case. But I don't know how much to read into that just yet. But it, it is a fun little tidbit to note. Um, yeah, in terms of JTT in general, you know, he still has a couple of trips coming up. He's going to, to Oregon this week, and then he's going to head out to Alabama for his last trip. That's really the big one that everybody's going to be having an eye on. But yeah, you know, it, it's tough to tell really coming out of these visits what a guy truly thinks. Everyone leaves Ohio State basically saying it was a great visit and they loved their time and that, you know, all this good stuff about the program and the coaches and stuff. So, I mean, he, he really knew what he was getting himself into. He's been talking to these guys for a while, even if, even if it was via Zoom and phone calls and whatnot. But this was his first time of his, like, top five schools. This was the – Ohio State was the only one he hadn't visited, and this was his first time on campus. So it was great to get him out there. I'm sure they did as much as possible him. Sorry, what do you think is the biggest selling point that we have? You know, just kind of hitting on his visit or – bringing in any recruit for their official visit and their introduction to the program. Do you think that it's more program success or player success and a track record of that? You know, JCT is obviously a defensive lineman. And in recent years, we've got the Bosa brothers and Chase Young and a list of other guys who have gone on to, to great things in the NFL. Of those two things or, you know, throw out something different what do you think is the biggest selling point we have for a guy like this who could go anywhere he wants? I think in terms of Tui Malau specifically, I think our biggest selling point is Larry Johnson. I think Larry Johnson is the reason that uh, he has Ohio State in his top schools. It's the reason that he he fell in love with this place in the first in the first place. You know, he's, it's the reason that he's considering them as one of his final, basically two schools he's down to. And it's because you know between Larry Johnson as a person and Larry Johnson's track record at developing these athletes for the NFL at his position, I think that's far and away the biggest thing Ohio State has going for them. And you know, while while you know they're up there with Alabama, and Alabama also has you know as recruits talent and produces talent at a very high rate, they don't have a Larry Johnson. And I, I think just, you know, being able to meet him in person, see him work with other guys, hear some of the stories from other, other defensive ends on campus, you know, hear what they've had to say about him and how he's helped develop them. Seeing guys like, you know, Chase Young and the Boses have so much success, both in the college level and the NFL. I think Larry Johnson is the reason that Ohio State is in the position with JTT. And I think, you know, being able to finally meet him in person, be around him, see his kind of coaching style uh, is probably a really big thing for Ohio State. And if Tweem Allowed does wind up choosing Ohio State, then I think Larry Johnson is like 95% of the reason we have to thank. Yeah, and I, I can't disagree with that at all. He is basically the defensive line whisperer, and just beyond what he provides as a coach, you hear nothing but great things about him as a person, fantastic mentor, and just individual all around. So I think that's a great point by you. Ohio State has a million selling points, and I, you know, personally speaking, I think Larry Johnson just really sets them apart.
Yeah, definitely. And, you know, the other big story from this weekend, if you want more on JTT, I would definitely recommend checking out our podcast from Monday with all of the last uh, recruiting stuff between Matt and the leader of Buckeyes crew, and they have a lot of good stuff out there. But the other big story from this weekend was the potential addition. We don't actually really know yet. It hasn't been officially announced of a former five-star transfer linebacker from USC. I looked up the pronunciation. It is Pallier Neoteote. It is not pronounced. It's spelled with a G, his last name, but it's pronounced with an N. It's Neoteote. And he was a former five-star linebacker from USC. He is listed in Ohio State student directory. I doubt there's another person with that name in in that plays. You know that is joining Ohio State at this time. Either that or it's the strangest coincidence ever. But it is odd that he's. You know, this is a, a big you know big name in the transfer portal right now, and he's kind of just showed up. In the directory, he also posted on Instagram today a, a picture on his story of like being on a road in Columbus. So uh, it all seems to the puzzle pieces seem to be coming together, and it looks as though Ohio State will be adding a big name linebacker here shortly. Yeah, you know, I'm kind of upset. I did my homework and I figured out the same pronunciation. I thought I was going to come on and sound really smart and informed, and you know, you just kind of stole it out from under me. But I'll forgive you for that. He would be. <laughs> He'd be, he would be a great addition, um, especially for the depth in what we've lost at the linebacker position. But I've seen people mention that he hasn't lived up to the billing of a five-star or his recruiting profile. I look at it as a guy who has started 14 games at the college level. He's had some injury issues and, you know, 105 tackles over 14 games is essentially a season worth of starting. So 105 tackles. He's been a playmaker for USC in the past. And so I think that he could come in and right away compete for one of those starting spots. We've obviously got uh, T. Mitchell and Gant and guys like that in the program who have been here and learned the defenses and learned under the coaches that are in place right now. But I think that Naote Ote Hopefully I said that right this time after all the, the junk that I was talking. I think that he could come in and be a real surprise. I it, it wouldn't be a surprise at all if he came in and earned one of those starting positions, if indeed he is here. So I think it's a big boom. It's a, a different boom, you know, but I'm sure we'll see Mark Pantone send out something if and when this occurs. But I think that it's a key add if and when it happens, because we've not talked about linebacker a lot. We've not talked about the new additions as much as we have other positions. So I'm excited. I hope he gets in here. I hope that he can live up to the billing that he did coming did have coming out of high school. And Ohio State went after him for a reason, both in his recruitment and now. They see the potential. They see what he was able to do now. He's got some film on tape there at USC. So, you know, big boom, hopefully coming down the pipeline. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, and there was some tweets, you know, this past weekend where Al Washington, position coach for the linebackers, was kind of tweeting little, you know, gifts and stuff as if Ohio State had landed a commitment and then nothing really came of it. So maybe this was kind of like a silent commit from Neoteote, just, you know, that they added him in the transfer portal. And that's maybe what Al Washington was talking about. I could definitely see that. And I'm sure we'll, we'll hear something officially sometime soon. I mean, preseason camp is going to be starting up here uh, not very quickly. So uh, I'm sure we'll hear something about that more. I think, you know, even though Ohio State's going to more of a two linebacker set, he He's a guy that, that, like you said, will compete for time. I don't know if he's going to start, but he'll be a very valuable depth piece. If not, he's a guy that's played in a Power 5 conference. He's played football games before, unlike you know some of the guys that are on the roster right now that haven't really had a chance to, to carve out a role for themselves. So he definitely brings with him some experience. And you know, like you said, he didn't fully pan out as a five-star in USC, but 
watching some of his highlight tapes, I mean, he's a guy who hits hard. He hits the holes. He looks like he's got the intangibles and maybe being with Al Washington now and getting coached up a little bit, maybe he could become a star in Columbus. We'll see. But yeah, those yeah, were two a, of the bigger. Yeah, go ahead. Sarge, he's a thumper. You know, I think he's listed at 6'2 or 6'3, 250 pounds. So he may not possess that pass coverage ability. I don't know that we are maybe looking for in a two linebacker system. But he, he brings the size and that intensity like you hit on. I saw some of the same things. He really packs a wallop off the edge and coming down the middle. So, um, you know, excited about what he can bring to the table. Yeah, so that, that'll definitely be a fun thing to look out for. Hopefully coming soon we'll get more information on that. Uh, I, would, I, would, I mean, it's basically as close to official as it could be without being officially announced. So we'll see if that comes down the pipe one of these next few days. If not, by the time this podcast gets released, who knows? But yeah, you know, other than that, there's a couple other little minor recruiting things to talk about. Josh, I know you're very excited about um, CJ Hicks. I saw he was back on campus this weekend posting pictures in Ohio State jersey. And I mean, just looking at his pictures, this dude looks like he could come in and play tomorrow. Like he he is yeah. he looks ready to go. And I'm very excited to see CJ Hicks on the football field. Yeah, you know, without even stepping on the field, he's become one of, if not my favorite guys in this next class coming to Columbus and coming to Ohio State. He is the recruiting captain, which you you love to see, he's trying to bring in other talent and other guys around him. He's really been a champion for the program, and you said it. You know, he looks the part. I I, I think that his involvement, a second weekend in a row or two out of three weekends, I can't recall. It, it just kind of pushes him to the top of this class as far as leadership and. You can just kind of predict what he's going to bring to the table. He's hinted at some booms coming. He put out the uh, LeBron James gift from the Miami Heat. Not one, not two, not three, not four. So he's excited, which makes me excited about the potential for guys committing hopefully soon and uh, and uh, becoming the next line of or the next big recruiting class for Ohio State. Yeah, and there's a lot of things to be excited about in Ohio State recruiting, both in the current. And upcoming classes, you know, the Ohio State received some crystal balls this past weekend for uh, four-star running back Dallin Hayden. Uh, they've got some big names coming to Columbus this week, including uh, the number one wide receiver in 2023, Brandon Innes. Uh, they also have Carnell Tate, another wide receiver in 2023, high four-star, who's making a return trip to Columbus this week. So, uh, you know, Brand, uh, Brian Hartline doing, you know, his usual. If he's able to land the number one receiver again next year, it would be just absolutely ridiculous what he's doing out there. But there is... A lot of reasons to be excited about Ohio State recruiting. There's a lot going on in Columbus right now with the dead period being lifted, and it, it's good to see. You know, it seems like all positive momentum on all fronts, and we'll we'll just have to wait and see what comes of it. But yeah, there should be. You know, the guys are the guys are tw- teasing booms. You know, CJ Hicks is putting out the not one, not two, not three kind of gif as if they're about to get you know a whole wave of booms. And we kind of saw something similar last summer about you know with a bunch of guys committing kind of in in short succession. So it'd be nice to see some of that coming up as Ohio State looks to fill out their 2022 class and start out in 20. Yeah, you mentioned the number one receiver for 2023 coming in. It's almost by default the top receiver in the country has to come and consider Ohio State just due to what they've done in the past and Brian Hartline bringing in all these big names. And you mentioned Dallin Hayden. Um, You know, I think he's like a top 25 running back. He's a four star, but Ohio State's probably not bringing in a bunch of guys. So he is clearly somebody that they have identified as having their skill set. They see the potential there and they're excited about the guy. So, you know, I think if I had to guess, I know that Notre Dame is big time competition for him right now. 
But if I had to guess, just based on what I'm hearing and what I'm seeing, he might be the next boom that comes along. And, you know, he's going to join a crowded running back room, but a room that has opportunity for carries because outside of Master Teague, they're unproven, they're all young, and they're all hungry to get in here. So that would be a nice addition too. Yeah, for sure. And, and Ohio State obviously is probably only going to add maybe one running back in this class if it is Hayden. Um, we'll see. But he's been a guy that's kind of had – there's been mutual interest between him and Ohio State for a while. He's been you know playing around with Ohio State on Twitter for a while. He's a guy that I thought – for a long time is going to wind up with Ohio State. So he seemed to really enjoy his recent visit, and there is a lot of momentum going there. But, yeah, Ohio State recruiting, be sure to, to stick with us. You know, we have our usual Monday through Friday recruiting pieces out for you, as well as the podcast now that Matt's running. So we'll have all that Ohio State lovely recruiting news for you. But moving on here on Hang Out in the Holy Land, we're going to talk some hoops. Uh, the big story from this weekend, Josh, is that, you know, we kind of, our, our resident basketball analyst, Connor, had noticed that on the Ohio State website that um, Dwayne Washington Jr. was missing from the latest roster update. And right. it, it seems to turn out as if that was just a, a bug. It's not anything indicative of what's happened with the roster, but it was a little, it was a bit of a scare to see this weekend that, you know, he was missing. And it was kind of weird because you figure if one of the two guys between he and Liddell were going to leave, it would be Liddell. So it was kind of odd to see his name missing from that. But as we know now, it, it just seems to be an error on the website. Yeah, there's a, a lot of tea leaves being read on Ohio State websites, it seems like, or Ohio State affiliated websites, you know, student directory, basketball roster. And, and we'll see on these two guys. We're, we're going to get into them a little bit more. I am with you, though. I, I would ex- It would be the bigger surprise, I guess I should say, if Dwayne leaves and not EJ versus the other way around. I would expect if, if either of the two were to leave – EJ is my number one guess, but they were matched up head-to-head at a G League camp this weekend, and Dwayne had, I think, 12 points, if I'm not mistaken. EJ a little little uh, more quiet on that end, but they've got until July 7th to make a decision, and I would expect them, and I, I think that they need to take the entire duration of that. I think that both of these guys have NBA potential, but I think both of them need more seasoning. We've talked about this before in previous pods. They've got things that they can work on in their game. So it's selfish, obviously, and I'm a little bit biased, but I think those guys should should really think about coming back if they want to put themselves in the best position to succeed, uh, excuse me, succeed at the next level. Yeah, and I totally agree. Obviously, we're we're biased, and we want them both to come back. They were two tremendous players for Ohio State this past season. They both had very good years. Uh, unfortunately, it ended earlier than they had liked. But you know, they they obviously coming back would do a lot for I think both of their draft stocks. I don't know if Dwayne Washington Jr. becomes an NBA prospect at some point, but I think EJ Liddell with another year in college would become maybe you know an early second round, mid second round selection. If not, plays way into the first round with a big season. He is a bit undersized, but he has a lot of good. He's a good shooter. He does a lot of things well good high motor guys so like you said you know they they could use some some extra stuff in their game they're not bad players but they could use a little bit more refinement and we'll see what happens here shortly they got like you said till july 7th it's coming up quicker than i imagine you know june's really flying by it seems like so we'll, we'll know sooner rather than later but it'll be interesting to see i personally i think they both come back i wouldn't be shocked if ej left to pursue professional 
opportunities overseas or whatever to try to, you know, play his way into the NBA one day. But uh, I do think Dwayne comes back. He's kind of the way that he's been on social media and some of the stuff they've done where like Ohio State graphics and stuff, they've had Dwayne in it and all that stuff. So I, I think, you know, the, the general feeling around the program is that Dwayne is is pretty likely to come back and they're kind of still waiting to see with EJ. Um, but yeah, so hopefully we'll find out. So let's get into it. Do you agree with some of the kind of experts in the pundits who have said that if these two guys come back, Ohio State is a surefire top five men's basketball team next year. I mean, I, I have a, I don't really know. I mean, I do, they do say that, like people are really high on this Ohio State team if both those guys come back. I'm kind of I'm struggling with that just because like it's it's pretty much the same team we saw last year and we we saw the shortcomings of what that team was. And, you know, they are adding a couple new pieces. You know, Michi Johnson will be in his first really full season with the team. They're adding a bunch of good guys from the newest freshman recruiting class. So it will be a little bit different, but they are. And they'll also have, I guess, you know, the more I think about it, you know, uh, Seth Towns, another year removed from his injury. Maybe he'll be a little hot, a little more playing time for him. And they've got a bunch of interesting options and guys that could really improve from last year. And they were a good team last year. I mean, they were a top five team at one point last year. So it's easy to see why they're being pegged like that if they are all coming back. But I do think they need to, you know, there are some areas that obviously need to be improved. They had some really, their, their biggest concern is that just the last five minutes of games, they really just seemed to combust and they didn't really have a true go-to score they could trust. And the, the ball movement kind of fell apart. So there are, well, maybe a lot of that's coaching, but they, they need they need to make some changes from last year. It's going to be a very similar roster, but there there's high hopes for this team. I mean, we saw how well they could play last year when they beat up on, you know, Illinois and Iowa and some of these teams that, you know, a lot of preseason you would never expect Ohio State to beat, and then they went on a tear midseason. So I, I could definitely see them being top five again. It's just, you know, how all the pieces come together with both the new guys and the guys returning and some of the guys like like Seth Towns and Michi Johnson who now have, you know, a full year, full offseason under their belt, especially with the weird pandemic start to last year. You can only really improve, I guess, from there. Yeah, I'm all in on, on Ohio State if these two guys do come back. You hit on the other players that that are definitely coming back, but college basketball has kind of shifted towards this um, feast or famine with the freshmen and the you know the super teams that are sort of being created at your Kentuckys and your Dukes and things like that. Ohio State has taken a different route and they've done it for. A number of years now, they have been able to keep guys in the program and develop them and create depth. And so bringing the top two scorers back to a team that's going to have Kyle Young, Seth Towns, a more experienced Michi Johnson, some exciting freshmen, I look at it as a team who could be, that could be, you know, eight, nine, ten deep and play the depth game and play the game where one through 10, they're strong and they're not so reliant on one guy or two guys. And so that's what excites me about the potential of them. If EJ and Dwayne come back and you hit on needing a go-to option at the end of the game or at the end of games, really these two are the top two and potentially only candidates. We do not have anybody coming back from last year's team that has ever been a 1A or a 1B option. So I think it's imperative if Ohio State is to be in that upper echelon of college basketball that they get these top two scores back and continue to develop the depth pieces that they have. I think Dwayne is one of those late game options. He's a heat check guy. 
but he has some things to work on, whether that's decision-making, ball handling, whatever. And I think EJ can become more of that guy. He was a great scorer, and he had some clutch moments of his own, but not the most well-rounded game. He's he's hit or miss from the outside, so if he were able to come back and develop those, I think that they would have a 1A and 1B option at the end of games where they struggled sometimes so mightily last year. Yeah, and on top of that, they're going to need to find a new point guard because C.J. Walker is exhausting eligibility and moving on with his basketball career. They're obviously they're going to have Malachi Branham coming in, who's one of the top guards in the country, so maybe he could produce. Obviously, Michi Johnson's a candidate for that job, but they will need to find a new ball distributor, and that was you know one of their issues late in games. They kind of needed if if C.J. Walker wasn't out there, you know they kind of they they struggled to move the ball a bit sometimes. He was a really good floor general, so they obviously need to replace him as well but you know there are like you said there's high hopes for this team there's a lot of a lot of ways to improve and a lot of things that this team with the roster they have put together can do to be a top five team in the country and it is it's an exciting time for Ohio State sports when both the football team and the basketball team are performing at the level that they are yeah they're one of those programs um gosh I don't know along with Florida you know you look at Alabama they had a good basketball team last year but there aren't a whole lot of schools out there across the country that can say that they've got teams in both of those sports near or at the top. So, um, yeah, it's definitely a good time to be an Ohio State sports fan. And they're they're having success all over, you know, swimming success, some golf success. um, You know, and it just speaks to the well-roundedness of the athletic program and the the type of athletes that they're able to bring in and keep around uh, Columbus to where they can excel in – in many sports, not just one. I think that's a really cool selling point for the university, the city, and and beyond. And as an Ohio State alum, I, I cannot be more proud of what they're doing just across the landscape right now. Yeah, for sure. And speaking of, you know, Ohio State hoops and Ohio State adjacent sports, we had just this morning on Monday the um, announcement of the uh, the basketball tournament 2021 bracket, of which Carmen's crew is obviously going to be involved in once again. Uh, yeah. Carmen's crew is the Ohio State alumni team, and they'll get to some home court advantage this year as some of the games we played at the Covelli Center. They were announced as a number one seed. No surprises there. They have been one of the best teams the last couple of years since this tournament began. They got a lot of fun Ohio State alumni on the team. They got, you know, obviously Jared Sullinger as the coach. They also got Aaron Kraft, David Lighty, John Diebler, Caleb Wesson, Keyshawn Woods, Flenzel Smith Jr., Shannon Scott. So they got a lot of, a lot of fun Ohio State former players. Uh, their first round matchup is going to be against uh, Mid American Unity, which is a, uh, a team built around players from the MAC. Uh, one of their one of their star players is J.D. Weatherspoon, who you may remember. He was a uh, Columbus native. He played two years at Ohio State, but wound up transferring to Toledo. Uh, and then they also have Romeo Travis, who was a high school teammate of LeBron. He's one of their assistant coaches. So that'll be an interesting team, a little fun uh, Mac school kind of atmosphere to them. And that'll be their first-round matchup. And if Carmen's crew makes it through the first-round matchup, they have a good chance of matching up with the Purdue alumni team. So we'll get a little bit of uh, current Ohio State Purdue matchup vibes there as those two teams have a chance to go at it. So uh, the TBT has obviously been a lot of fun. It was one of the few sporting events we had last year when COVID was, was really going on and everything was shutting down. It was a, it was a fun atmosphere. They had the bubble and now, now they're going to get to have their full tournament with all their teams and, and fans and all that good stuff. So that'll be exciting this summer. It's, you know, a little bit of, a little bit of college basketball, uh, vintage college basketball that we have in the summer coming up. Yeah. I love watching the TBT. You know, these guys, are established you know in their past and they're still doing it for the love of the game obviously the money doesn't hurt but 
it's it just really, it's neat to see things like that. You don't see it in any other sport. Uh, you definitely don't see it in something like football, really even baseball. These semi-pro or whatever kind of tournaments you want to call them. And, and it kind of brings back these old rivalries. You hit on the potential of Ohio State alums being to go, being able to go up against Purdue alums. Um, villain from his heyday, Robbie Hummel. So I, I, I'm excited. I watch that every single year. I love seeing the familiar faces come back and be able to play here in Columbus. So I, I think they're geared up for another run. Disappointing tournament last year, but they're bringing back all of those guys who won it two years ago. The familiar faces, like we said. So, um, you know, I, I hope we see Sullinger do a little player coach. I don't know if that's allowed in the TBT collective bargaining agreement, but I think that would be a, a really cool twist if he was able to do that. Yeah, I am specifically excited to see guys like Caleb Wesson and Shannon Scott, who are both, you know, two guys that I got to see in my time at Ohio State play a little bit. And, uh, you know, those are two really fun players. Obviously, Shannon Scott was was a big dunks guy. He had a lot of spectacular dunks in Columbus. And Caleb Lesson was kind of, you know, he was E.J. Liddell before E.J. Liddell. He was that, you know, big forward who could really shoot the ball. So those are two really fun guys and two guys that I think are perfect for this style of play. Uh, obviously, the Elam ending they incorporate where every game ends in a buzzer beater is really exciting and fun. And like you said, it doesn't hurt that there's a, a cash prize at the end. So there's a lot of a lot of stuff to play for for some of these guys who, you know, were, were really good in college and maybe their professional careers didn't pan out or they're done with that kind of pursuit and they just want to play a little basketball like someone like Aaron Kraft who's just kind of doing this for, you know, another way to play organized basketball with the boys. So it's, it's a really fun thing they do. I'm glad they started up, and it's been it's been really fun. It's just getting bigger and bigger every year, and this will be another year where this tournament you know gets going, and it'll be uh, something to watch. We'll definitely have coverage of Carmen's crew, and uh, potentially if the, the Big X or another Ohio State-centric team's in there, we'll check out them as well. So stick with us there. Yeah, but yeah that'll be, we'll be watching. And I think that it's a different pod for a different platform probably, but I think the NBA, just watching some of the playoff basketball that uh, we've seen over the last couple of weeks, I think the Elam ending – would be a phenomenal introduction to the NBA game. That is by far one of the kind of most unique and coolest things that has been a result of this TBT. And I think other tournaments have kind of adopted it. It's not brand new, but I would love to see that uh, transition over to to the professional game. Although, uh, you know, chances are probably slim and none. I, I think that would be awesome. Yeah, I don't know if we'll ever see the ELM ending in anything of like a real professional sporting event but it is a lot of fun Uh, it's a a fun twist on the end of a game ben simmons would love it oh ben simmons would love the elam ending but at the same time you know it is it's it's great because you don't get the kind of end of an nba game especially in the regular season where it's just like two minutes of fouling and like stoppage of clock and everything like just being crappy and slow at the end of a basketball game so it kind of gets rid of that you always get that fun buzzer beater at the end there's always a final shot it's not just like the clock runs out. So it is, it's a very fun twist on the ending of a basketball game. And it is I'm something I'm glad they incorporated. And I think a lot of people have enjoyed since they've, uh, they've used it. Agreed. Agreed. All right. So I think that's, that's pretty much all we have this week. A lot of fun Ohio state centric news going on and, both football and basketball and and in addition to the uh the tbt so that'll be our show for you this week be sure to follow us on twitter you could find me at gene underscore ross 23 and sometimes you know chopping it up on the land grant holy land account josh where could they find you at j dooley buckeye uh we're doing the wednesday forgotten buckeye columns and just this past week i started out uh diving into 
fantasy football potential for ex-Buckeyes. Uh, first article or column was on uh, J.K. Dobbins and his potential to be like a top five running back in fantasy. So excited to get that started. Absolutely. If you're a fan of uh, fantasy football, definitely check out Josh's column. I'm a big J.K. guy, so be sure to check that out. And uh, yeah, so that's all for us this week. Uh, be sure to you know like, rate, subscribe, all that good stuff that all the podcast hosts yell at you to do. Just do all that. And uh, we'll be back at you next week with another episode. So for Josh Dooley, I am Gene Ross, and we will see you next week.